You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome into a Monday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. It's another Blue Notebook podcast where David and I each scout a different NBA draft prospect and report back with pros, cons, player comps, and their fit with the Heat. We'll have a new scouting segment for you tomorrow as well. So it's, we're ramping up into the draft here. We're going to just a lot, a lot of scouting stuff. We're going to have a special guest on, t- on the Tuesday show. Um, we'll have a mailbag for you on Friday for sure. And then we're going to try to fit another show in the middle of the week. Maybe two shows. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But definitely three shows for sure this week. Uh, David, you had Goga, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Goga Patadze, Patadze for your blue notebook, right? Uh, yeah. So let's start with some of his stats and measurements and then get to some of his pros and cons. But first, did I say the name right? You're close. Goga Patadze, I think. Okay. Somehow, I, that's how I kind of heard it pronounced Uh when I was watching the videos of the uh, EuroLeague performances. So that's the first thing, obviously, is that he's a native of Georgia. He is uh, a, he was with the uh, Mega BMAX League or team mm. uh, in, in the EuroLeague. So that's a big team. There. Yeah, so he's been playing yeah. there for a couple of seasons, um, you know, on and off. He's had different, uh, you know, different teams that he's played for. But, you know, obviously it's all European, so footage is kind of limited and you have to kind of take that into consideration when you're looking at uh you know his his productivity and things of that sort but as far as stats are concerned he's a big man plays the center position six foot eleven with about a seven foot two wingspan uh rounds out at about 250 pounds so he's still pretty young also so there's capacity there not to grow necessarily but to put on more mass um he's about 19 and he'll still be 19 at the point of his draft so so I saw, I'm uh, not to interrupt, but like pictures of him from like two or three years ago versus like pictures of him last year. I mean, he yes. has gotten a lot bigger. Yes. Yeah. He's been okay. on the NBA radar for a couple of seasons now. I guess it's just, and this is something I was probably going to get into a little bit later on, but I think everybody's looking at the European market and seeing players there and they're watching these up and comers because nobody wants to miss out on a Joker uh, or a Jokic rather, or a, a you know, a Luka Doncic. So right. there's, there's, you know, everybody's keeping an eye there. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You look at teams like the Spurs and, you know, Dallas to some extent who have really scouted the European market for a long time. And so they're able to mine players out of that advanced scouting. You don't want to be the one team that doesn't, uh, have a good gauge on what's happening there and, and, and who the he, next up and coming player is. And he was one of those guys that was uh, part of the basketball without borders situation right. too i think and i know i don't know if goran i know goran dragic has been involved in that before i don't know if he was involved in it the the year that that goga was participating in it but there's at least a, a player connection with the heat so. yeah 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 no, absolutely i mean there's a lot of the european players are and have those strong connections i saw uh, nick vucevic at the all-star weekend you know he was there kind of coaching the team and, and reaching out to guys like that i'm not sure I can't recall now if Goga was there. I believe that he was actually, but maybe he, he was. A, he might have been a little bit too old, or you know, at this point. But anyway, as far as his overall stats, he's appeared in twelve games for BMAX, averaged about twenty-four minutes per game, um, scored at a pretty high level, fifteen, almost sixteen points per game. Uh, you know, he shot okay from the field, sixty-four percent, mostly because of his work around the basket. His three-point shooting, something he's tried to incorporate more as he's gone older, is a little suspect still. But he shot about 22% from the three-point range. 
His free throw shooting is a concern because he only shot around 60% from the free throw line. So still something he definitely needs to work at. Uh, a solid rebound, about seven rebounds per game. You know, not a bad passer, but not a great one. Did average still about one assist per game. Uh, and he mostly avoids any kind of significant foul trouble, although he did average about three and a half fouls per game. So, you know, it's a mixed bag as far as statistics. And again, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt considering the the context. Not to say that the European League is completely outclassed, but it's not the same style of play. There are differences among players. There are differences among you know levels of athleticism. It's not to say that a player like Adoncic can't come and thrive in the NBA immediately, but it's it's something that I, I kind of took into consideration when I was looking at Mithad's uh, impact in the league. So I know that with the European guys, like the athleticism thing is is real, right? They're yeah. they're not going against the same type of athletes that they're going against in America. The to me, the thing that stands out with the guys who do come over and and have success whether you know it be a, a Luka Doncic or a Dirk Nowitzki or uh, Nikola Jokic any of these guys it's just that their overall skill level is such that it doesn't really matter that they're not the best athlete on the court that they are just, they have a great feel for the game they have great touch either around the basket or or from yeah. you know the three point line like a Lowry Markinen or something like that but um where is in 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 your analysis where is sort of Goga's skill level he's kind of a mixed bag he does not flash and this is probably something that we'll get into more during the con segment he doesn't flash the same kind of versatility that you want out of european centers if you're looking at a player like vucevic or Jokic, obviously being the high-end model for these guys that can pass guys that can score at all three levels um that is not where Bitadze is at right now he's still okay. much more of a, a back to the basket player he tried incorporating more of a face of game with some limited success. So I think the hope is that at 19, there is another level for him to reach. But he didn't have that opportunity or he still hasn't flashed that, the, those kind of um, that versatility so far yet. So, okay. you know, he's he, he's got skills. He does have skills as a scorer and he does have really good back to the basket skills. Like he can finish with either hand at the rim. He has a nice righty hook that he uses as his go to move. So. Um, he does like contact and he's strong enough to absorb it. So these are all things that he's capable of. As far as the athleticism in, in, is concerned, he's not explosive. And that is another con that we'll probably get into. But at the same time, he has his own pace and he plays comfortably in it. And, and that could be, you can look at a player like Jokic and say the same thing. Again, yeah. and not a guy who's ever going to explode or be a slam dunk con- competitor, but still controls the game by virtue of his skill level and, and his own pace. And he, and he makes others adhere to it and kind of adjust necess- uh, you know, as they go, especially on the defensive end. So um, for, for Batadze, he's not there because obviously, like I said, that versatility isn't a, an aspect of his game. But when he gets the, the, the ball and he has his back to the basket, he can drive past a, a defender. He knows how to use his, his size and length very well in that aspect. So, um, he's really good at, at, at setting screens. So on offense, there is a little bit of flash there in that he's really good at setting screens, and he's great as a role man. And he can definitely be, in the, in the future, I see him evolving into more of a pick-and-pop player. I, I think he has good shooting form. From what I saw of his limited jumping you know, jump shot ability, it's not bad. He doesn't look uncomfortable. He's not like tucking his elbow out awkwardly or anything like that. His legs aren't out of position. He's got good form. He's, again, he's seven feet tall almost, and to see a guy be able to stroke it as easily and smoothly as he does 
is encouraging. So I think there's a future there for him as far as being a, a long-range shooter and a pick-and-pop player. So those are his strengths, basically. So he sounds a little bit like, I mean I mean this from an offensive perspective, like Ennis Cantor a little bit. That's not that's not a bad, bad comp. I think okay. uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty good. Although I think right. yeah, no, I, you know what? Now that I think about, it, I hadn't even considered that. But he is he he, he does actually rebound pretty well, and he does right. have polished back to the basket game. So yeah, Cantor's not a bad comparison. Thank you, Wes. Yeah, you're welcome. So some of the cons then we already, we talked about the limited athleticism, the lack of uh, skill range. Mm-hmm. What anything else standing out? Well, he, he needs polish on the defensive end. He's still okay. a little unsure when it comes to the timing on, on his jumping ability in particular. So he's not elite at a rim protector. He can get he, – he is susceptible to up fakes and things of that sort. So um, you, your more talented, you know, polished scores in the low post can probably get past him. And and you even see aspects where, like, like he – as strong as he is – he can still be bullied, um, and you know, maybe that's just maybe the Cantor comparison is you know pretty good there because Cantor really well really can handle himself really well offensively and can bulldoze past everybody, but defensively there's a little bit of an open door policy there. So um, I, I, I I see a lot of that comparison there, and the, the strength and conditioning are not up to NBA standards, yeah. so these definitely need to improve. Not a great passer, as I said, not a great shooter yet, and then versatility still not a strong suit. So these things need to improve. He is also. One of the reports I read was that he's a very emotional player. He likes the contact. He likes the physicality of it. But at the same time, because he's not as strong as NBA, you know, many NBA players are, he can get bulldozed a little bit there. And and he can get into foul trouble as well if he gets too emotionally charged. So it's something that he needs to kind of figure out. So the... uh... So the strength and conditioning thing is, you know, you don't want to ever make generalizations, but guys coming out of the EuroLeague, that does tend... I mean, we even heard that about Luca last yeah. year, that he wasn't the best conditioned athlete. It just tends to be the case, you know? there It's it's just a different... It's just different over there. I mean, they, they smoke cigarettes over there. Like, you know, it's just... It's a completely different sort of 24 thing. 24 minutes at, per game for a, for a potential superstar. Right. And you look at... That's not ever going to fly in the NBA level. They're playing a lot more. And so we see that a lot with guys coming. Up. I mean, look at Nikola Jokic right now. His name has come up a hundred times. He's still out of shape. He looks like a he's like a marshmallow yes. out there. He's like he that is. guy from Ghostbusters who could with like better, a better passer. Um, <laughs> the state of marshmallow man. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I Good never really thought. Right? Look. I mean. Yeah. I mean. I, it's Jokic is so impressive to me. Like like covering a Denver game and you see him up close and you go, wow, that guy, Hello. that guy's NBA player, NBA all-star, Nikola Jokic. <laughs> like, I mean, he's got, I've seen guys at rec was, league have better. Yeah, better. yeah, I'd be impressed if he was on a roster, let alone like an MVP <laughs> candidate. I'd be like, wow, man, good for you. Um, no, but so, so yeah, these are the things, but the good part about that is these guys are oftentimes very skilled if they're able to stand out in any way. Right. And, and that conditioning stuff, like there's such a hot, like, there's some, there's, such room for improvement once you get to the NBA and you get into that sort of facility right. and you're working out every single day and, and you got, you know, individual t- uh, team trainers and stuff yeah. working with you and, and you know, helping you specialize uh, a specific regiment and all this stuff. It, there's just so much room to grow in that in that respect. So, And as um, you already I, said, we, I mean, he's already made growth. Again, he's only 19. Yeah. So you, you think about the... The fact that he's transformed his body almost already from like the high school point where he was kind of soft and, and needed to put on more muscle mass, and he has. So um, he's shown that capacity to add weight and muscle. And so I think once he gets NFL, I'm sorry, NBA level training available to him, 
there's there's I think room to, for him to become uh, you know much more athletic and maybe not necessarily explosive, but at least fit enough to where he can contend with some of these bigger bodies. And uh, and I apologize if you already said it, but you mentioned his back to the basket game, his overall yes. just touch around right. the rim. Do Absolutely. you feel like is it? He's got good touch around the rim. I mean, it's better Absolutely. than, like, okay, it's, like, better yeah. than a Hassan White side who kind of just, yes. like, elbows his way in there? Okay. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, when I was thinking about his fit in Miami, it's, like, there are things he does well, and already he does things better than, than Hassan to a certain extent. So, I, okay. yeah, his touch and his, his feel offensively in particular are pretty high level. So his comps then, what are your what are your, some of your player comps for? Well, I this? mean, I saw Nenad Kristic as one that's a possibility. Um, Yusuf Nurkic and that he was still pretty raw. And that's you look a good at one. what happened. Yeah, I mean, the Bosnian Bear wasn't quite making an impact in Denver, which is the reason why he was traded to Portland. On, oh, from that emotional time. perspective too, right? Like yes. Nurkic, he's one of those uh, Nurkic is one of those trash talkers and gets into yeah. foul trouble sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's interesting. But I I like the Canner one. You brought up a good, very good point. So that's that's probably one I feel comfortable sticking with. Okay. So I, I'm a little surprised that I have not seen that one to date. And I wonder, it's just, Cantor is kind of such a hard player to evaluate, even after his, what is it, this is his seventh season in the NBA already? Yeah. You kind of tend to dismiss him because of his defensive issues. But he's, he really is a very competent scorer. I mean, and, and part of oh, the yeah. reason why Portland had the success they did in the in the postseason and, and certainly in the tail end of the regular season after Nurkic's injury was no doubt because of Cantor's ability to score, so... I just don't think anybody wants to compare anybody to Cantor right now. It's just because the way he was played off the court in the Western Conference Finals and just sure. repeatedly he's got that, that really hard ceiling. So it's a tough comparison. So that's almost, I would say, like not worst-case scenario because that's not fair to Cantor, but it's not, well, it's not somebody you want. In the, he's definitely limited. There's like a hard ceiling. Like you can't play him basically after the second round of the playoffs right. against certain teams. So, all right, uh, upside scale, where do you got him? Yeah, he's he's tough um, because again, there's so much banking on his yeah. ability to respond. You hope that he'll he'll have this kind of growth as far as his development and even some development physically and everything else. So, but I could see him being like so many European players, a guy that just doesn't find his fit here, and it's not easy. I, I think he has at that point. Okay, you have to have a certain kind of badass attitude in order to be able to make it. From a, from a European perspective, because there's so much going against you when you come to the United States, you know, not just from a cultural perspective, from uh, from a language perspective, like where to go eat, where to go and do things. You're not used to any of the travel or any of the locations. I mean, there's so much that you kind of have to make the adjustment to that. It's easy for a lot of guys to show promise and flashes in Europe and then fizzle out here. And that's pretty understandable because it, that transition is not easy. So I think I have to rate his his capacity as a fringe player pretty highly as a result because although there, there's certainly potential there there's also a great risk that he'll never make that leap and so i have him at 45 percent as a fringe player and that's just yeah. not necessarily based on talent but just because that transition is never an easy one for a european player yeah. Uh, That's right. as far, yeah. yeah, as far as his uh, able to ability to contribute at a high level i also have that at 45 percent because right now there's a lot of skill there he could be like Cantor, a really good scorer. He can eventually, like Nurkic, develop into a really solid defender as well, but we have not seen it. He's still young. And so you look at a guy like him, and, and between the factor of him being European, him being so young, there's promise, and then there's high risk also. So you're not quite sure where to rank him. As far as a lot of mock drafts, I saw him top 10, maybe 10, 11 at some point, and now he's kind of fizzled out. And now I think you're starting to see some, of the, some more of those concerns about whether or not he's a risk, but he does have enough skill 
where he can still be a pretty high level contributor rotation player. So even like a Cantor who, right. you know, you could stash on the bench, but he could also come in and give you 12, 15 quick points in, you know, in 10, 15 minutes. Um, I, I think there's that potential there for Bitadze. And then, you know, as an all-star, if he ties it all together and those, the, the roots, the foundation of him being a versatile player there, there is passing, there is enough offensive IQ, I think, where he sees guys cutting and he can find them. He knows where they are on the court, things of that nature. He's just more conditioned at this point to just be a, a, a dominant scorer, to just take the bat, the ball to the hoop as opposed to looking for that secondary cutter. If he's able to expand on that versatility and the flashes of which that we've seen limited in a limited capacity, I could see him being an all-star, about a 10% chance of that actually happening. Okay. So then, so zero percent of a zero. Yeah, zero percent of a zero. Okay, yeah. uh, that's fair. And we'll uh, we'll talk about his potential fit with the Heat uh, later on, and then that'll be after my scouting report on Keldon Johnson, which is coming up. But first, we're gonna take a quick break. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring Locked On Heat. If you're looking for a great Father's Day gift idea, Untuck It shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring is required. Go to untuckit.com and use the promo code NBA to get 20% off of your purchase. Okay, so I, I did some homework on Keldon Johnson, the freshman wing, kind of combo guard forward out of Kentucky. Um, he's he's ranked kind of widely in, in a lot of these um, a lot of these big boards around around it. ESPN has him at 19. The Ringer has him anywhere between 22 and 32. The Athletic has him at 22. So I think he's he's right around that 19 to 20 range. I think it is kind of his sweet spot. Um, the the story on Keldon Johnson. He was Kentucky's top recruit. He was seventh in the ESPN's top 100 hmm. uh, coming out of Oak Hill Academy. Five-star recruit, obviously. The Oak Hill Academy thing is good. I mean, that that's that's where Kevin Durant played a season. Michael Beasley went there. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of players went there, um, who ended up going really high in the draft. Um, and Steve Smith, the coach over at Oak Hill Academy, loved Keldon Johnson. Said he was as good as anybody he's ever coached. But don't expect him to be a high-level scorer. Don't expect him to lead your team in scoring. Just expect him to make winning plays and be a winner. Because above all else. That's what he wants. He wants to win. And that kind of shot showed in his one year at college. He wasn't, despite being Kentucky, Kentucky had a good recruiting class. Tyler Harrow, another guy, another pros- uh, prospect on this draft class. We already did P.J. Washington, who was there. Um, Wait, with so Kel- his coach said that? His coach, Steve Smith, said that, yeah. Said not to expect him to be a top-level scorer? That he's just Don't expect him to lead your team in scoring, but he's going to make high-impact plays and loves that's, him. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it sounds like that's more criticism than anything else, right? Uh, I didn't get that sense, but I, I didn't. Like, he's just like, look, he's not gonna be, he's not gonna go out there and be your lead guy, but he's going to be hmm. someone who's gonna contribute to winning and somebody who you want on the court, and that's okay. kind of where he was going. And and I thought that was just, I wanted to use that as a launching off point because it does sort of translate to his first year, it can, his only year at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Despite being the number seven recruit and their most highly ranked recruit by far, he didn't really establish himself as the team's best player. 
it didn't feel like that. I mean, a lot of times it was like PJ Washington or uh, uh, Reed Travis, who was their Stanford uh, transfer, uh, was sort of like their their impact lead scorer, forcing the issue. Um, Tyler Harrow, obviously making making threes and doing stuff like that. But he, there's a lot of things that I like about Kelton Johnson. He was a he he just he plays really hard. Might have the high, the 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 highest motor in this draft class and he's got high end three and D potential. So that's kind of where you start on um, the three point shot has come along a lot since high school. He early on, he was just sort of a cutter, a slasher kind of guy really developed his own skill level. He was a late bloomer in high school, worked really hard to get to the point where he was even the seventh ranked recruit um, coming out of high school, just has really done a lot of work on his own body, on his own skill level, and basically turned himself from, kind of a dude that just needs to slash and get to the rim to a guy who was making threes. I mean, his stats last year, 13.5 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 38% from three-point range on 118 three-point attempts. He shot 70% from the free throw line. Uh, and I didn't get to his measurements. 6'6", with a 6'9", wingspan, 216 pounds. Um, so a, a, a guy who is going to be able to make threes on the wing, he has a really good feel for where to be not only on the offensive end but on the defensive end he just he knows how to react to guys who have the ball in his hands where to, how to space the floor where to find openings open zones in the defense when to cut uh and do all those things like he's just he's gonna get open and the chance that he's able to either make the shot from three-point range or attack the closeout with one dribble and get to the rim are pretty high i like his body control when he gets to the rim he, he seems to have really strong core strength Mm-hmm. He's able. He's not afraid to finish through contact. Um, he'll put his shoulder into somebody. He'll again. He'll get. A, he'll get in the air and get a shot off. He's not necessarily an above the rim type of player, but he's able to just sort of hang there and get a shot off. Now he's not going to convert all the time, but he's going to get to the free throw line a lot. Uh, he he took. Um, oh, I missed it. I think he had almost. Oh, he he forty one percent forty one point six percent of his field goals resulted in a free throw. That's a lot. That's a huge free throw rate. I mean, that's, again, 40% of his shots were free throws uh, or result in free throws. So um, I like that. I just I like his ability to either get an extra point from the three-point line or just force the issue and get to the free throw line. Um, and then, oh, defensively, he can guard all three positions, one through three. Some people think he can guard fours. I don't love his length at that 6'9 wingspan to guard all fours at the NBA level. Right. He could be switchable. He could deal with it, you know, for a couple beats off the shot clock. Maybe I just like don't Richardson? love that. Uh, more like Winslow. Yeah, because really? we, yeah, we don't love Winslow's ability to guard. We, we must, he, like, Richardson, I don't want on a four at all. Okay. Winslow... I like, you know, you deal with him on a four, but, like, you'd, ideally, he would be guarding a perimeter player. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he can he can deal with a four, but he doesn't thrive. Like, he doesn't make an impact. He just sort of is, he just doesn't get killed. Right. Um, where Johnson, I think, you know, he picks up guys in the half court, or the full court. I love when he does that. He'll do it all the time at Kentucky, where in the full court, he will just press. He, he's got great footwork. Uh, good, good uh, instincts for where for where the ball handler wants to go, and he's able to cut off those instincts. He's one of those defenders who doesn't necessarily guard. He guards the ball, but he also guard where the player wants to go. And I like that. Like he's able to just cut off the 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 lane where the the guy wants to drive or whatever. So, um, 
those are all the pros. Um, so I, I had a quick question then. Yeah. As far as it sounds like he's a versatile player, and yes. a lot of what you said is that he's he's able to, he's been able to make transformations in his game and kind of improve his shooting ability, et cetera. So, given that he is not, as his coach said, a, a well, project to be a lead guy, how do you see him evolving at the NBA level? Yeah. I mean, he, it seems like a lot of people have him pegged as a three and D type player. That's probably a good fit for him. But is there room for him to continue growing if he's not going to be that lead guy, if he's not going to be the most aggressive player out on the court? I think there is because this is, again, a guy who went from just an energy guy who just basically played his way into the Oak Hill rotation by just being the hardest worker on the floor and Mm -hmm. diving for loose balls, rebounding uh, like hell and doing all these things and then developed himself into a skill guy, developed that shot, developed all these other things so in that sense he's a late bloomer so i don't really know what his ceiling is it's kind of interesting where he's always sort of been on the map for them mm-hmm. but kind of just transitioned again from this energy dude to a skill guy and i think that's interesting because i don't like the Kawhi leonard comparison nobody does it but you look at a guy like Kawhi leonard who was who was similar like just energy guy developed the skills, just worked on his body, worked to just become a better three-point shooter, become a better passer, do all these things, and slowly and surely just got better and better and better. And obviously Kawhi popped in a way nobody ever thought he would. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Keldon Johnson, but I do think that even if Kawhi wouldn't have gotten as good as he is now, probably he, he would be an all-star or whatever. So like there was still so much room to grow. And, and like Kawhi, I think Keldon Johnson started doing that later in his career. He wasn't just a natural skill guy. So... Um, that is one of my that that was one of my pros was energy to skill guy, but one of my cons is that he's just not a super elite athlete. Um, he's not going to play above the rim, uh, and that's where the Kawhi thing falls short because Kawhi is an incredible athlete. Sure, Keldon Johnson's definitely not. And when you combine that lack of elite athleticism with that lack of wingspan and overall size, I mean, this is a guy who's six foot four, six six with shoes, so he got he wears big shoes, I guess. Six nine wingspan, two hundred sixteen pounds. Like, I don't see him really gaining a whole lot more weight. He's obviously not going to get any taller, um, even though he's 19, but probably not going to get taller. Um, so those two things are a concern. I think that's ultimately why he's kind of this, like, mid to late first-round pick is just that that kind of caps the ceiling there. Um, the the shooting stroke, I'm not really worried about it. He did convert on, on 38% on over 100 threes last season, but it's a little wonky. The elbow comes out. He's got, like, this weird, like, his wrist flares to the outside. I don't know if you just heard that truck go by my window. Um, uh, his wrist sort of flares to the outside after he shoots in that follow-through, and that's kind of weird-looking. Again, I'm not that concerned about it because he did convert at a high rate. I'm not one of these guys who's just like, all right, well, your free throw doesn't look like Steph Curry's, so make it better. Or, or your shooting stroke doesn't look like that. Um, and he's, you get the sense that he's going to continue to work on that, so it's not that much of a red flag. Um, the main thing is he's a tweener. Is he a two or is he a three? Kentucky would play him at both. Like, they would have him guard other shooting guards. They'd got, have him guard other small forwards. I think he gives up a little bit too much size to be your full-time small forward. And I don't know that he's necessarily skilled enough to be your two guard. He doesn't. He's not a great passer. You don't really want him to dribble more than once. You know, if he attacks that closeout, he has this ability to... He could take one dribble. He's got these really... Despite the length, he's got these really long strides. So he'll... From the from the three-point line to the basket, he really only needs, like, one dribble to get there, which yeah. is good. Um, but 
again, you don't really want him dribbling more than once. So is he your two? Is he your two guard or is he your three? So he's a little bit of a tweener. You got to figure out where he fits, um, and it's probably going to be uh, pretty team specific on if if and where uh, what position he plays and where he fits. So um, yeah, that's everything I got on uh, on Kelvin Johnson. <sighs> Quite a bit. Um, so I, I mean, he's really interesting. Yeah, and 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 I like. I like his ability to adapt to the to the NBA level, but at the same time, you, you bring up good points about whether or not he's gonna, you know, what what's his ceiling? Because you're not quite sure. He, it's clear, maybe along the same lines as the last guy that you covered, Grant Williams, a guy that for sure is gonna make an impact, but you're just not quite sure how because we, yeah. you know they play with intensity, they play with effort, but you know, and and they're gonna continue to push others around them. So these kinds of guys project highly like i mean you, you know that they're going to be able to stick around somehow if for no other reason other than because of their hustle and defense so they're the kind of guys that as a fan base you want on your roster but you're you're also acutely aware of their limitations which could be exposed at the nba level do you see that happening with him that were you can kind of see that he's going to be able to to work outwork everybody but it might all be for naught if he doesn't have any kind of one discernible skill right. that's going to take him to another level yeah, I mean that three. You you still want that three point stroke because he's not a natural three point shooter. So you have questions like, does that convert to NBA level? Does that convert to the NBA range? Like mm. he needs to extend his three point shot a little bit more. Mm. Um, and so if he can't shoot threes, well, do you really like? Are you banking on having a rebounder as your two or your three? Because now we're talking about Roddy Magruder basically. Yeah. And and um, and you don't want that in the first round. Like love Roddy Magruder, but you don't want you don't you don't pick Roddy Magruder in the first round. So. Uh, but some of my comps for him, Justice Winslow, actually. Whoa. Very similar body type. Um, almost exact measurements. Winslow's a little bit longer. Um, you know, not a super elite athlete, but good enough. Good body control. Really strong core strength. Um, kind of not a natural skill guy, but has taught themselves a lot. To, you know, developed in that regard a lot. Just from hard work and doing that stuff. We've seen Justice Winslow three-point stroke take a major leap last season. Um, not doesn't have the vision or the passing ability as a Justice Winslow, but similar in, as from that physical standpoint. Otto Porter Jr., uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. I've seen those thrown around. I like those actually. Um, I almost wanted to go Robert Covington, but he's just not long enough to be Robert Covington. I don't see right. that that sort of defensive versatility. But Covington, you could put on a four, and he's strong enough to deal with it. And I kind of still get that sense from Keldon Johnson. Like, okay, if he ends up on your four, he's still strong enough to deal with it. I just I don't know that he has that sort of high level that Covington does. Um, Jonathan Simmons was sort of my low-end comparison. So when we talk about our upside scale, I do have him as a 25% fringe guy, and that's kind of what I would compare to John. I would kind of put Jonathan Simmons in that fringe camp right now. Yeah, he's getting there. I mean, it's it's, it's also uh, another sign that in the Spurs system, they'll find a way to maximize Mm -hmm. any player (laughs) because he was in Orlando, and I saw him in Orlando for a couple seasons. Yeah, yeah. and he's just not making an impact anywhere. Yeah. And the Spurs were just like when when Orlando signed him, they were like, "Great, good, see ya." Like, congratulations. We're not, yeah. Yep, go go get that money. Uh, contributor, I have Keldon Johnson at sixty percent. I, I I do believe in the skill work. I love I the late just like that that development of hit, that that hard work that behind the scenes stuff. I just think that stuff translates to the NBA level. That just tends to work for guys. Um, I do think he is more naturally skilled than Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan Simmons was like out was you know playing at the YMCA. Like right. Kellen Johnson is not. He's still a, a, he's still a much better athlete than Jonathan Simmons is. So I've got him as a contributor at sixty percent. Again, KCP 
high skill, like high, pretty high skill level. It's, it was a first round pick, KCB. The issue with him is the off the court stuff. He doesn't really, you know, there, there's questions about his work ethic, his overall, like what his motivation is, all that. You get the sense with Kelton Johnson that he wants to be good. So I, I do have him over Jonathan Simmons, over KCP, more in that Otto Porter Jr. type of range. I do think that he could be that. So for an all-star, I have him at 13%. And superstar, look, I don't know. Late bloomer again, so I don't know what the ceiling is. I've got 2%. I'm not going to say it's impossible. So like 15% overall that he ends up as an all-star slash superstar type player. Um, more likely, like I said, a contributor at 60%. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk about his fit potentially with the Heat at 13 as well as Goga Patadzis. Patadzis? Patadzis. All right. Let's take a quick break here. But first, today's show is brought to you by Grip6. Looking for a great Father's Day gift? Grip6 belts are ultra lightweight with no holes and no flap, which equals no bulk. Go to grip6.com slash lock for a special offer. And remember, to get this show every day, subscribe to Locked on Heat on the free Himalaya podcast app. It's the perfect place to listen to the podcast that you love and discover new favorites to listen to. Check out their playlists and share and comment on your favorite shows and episodes. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Heat. Thanks to our sponsors, Hotel.com, Untuck It, and to Grip6 Belts. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about it. All right. Do we like any of these guys for the Heat at 13, David? No. Um, I think both yeah. sound like they're uh, pretty much of a reach. Uh, and I like Keldon's ability to make an impact should Miami trade down. But uh, as far as Batanza hmm. is concerned... There's just too many questions. Um, I, I have no doubt that he can be developed in Miami, but you're also looking at a team that already has three quality centers that each have some level of contribution to make, and I don't know that adding a fourth is really going to help. Like, can he exceed all of them in terms of overall skill? Probably not. Like, his ceiling might be Kelly Olenek, and Olenek, you know, by virtue of being a great passer, probably is always going to over overstep what Batazzi can do at the center position. So yeah. um, I, I just don't see a fit in Miami. Um, he's a project. He's a long-term project. He, he can make an impact on a on a team. Maybe, you know, the thing is that he's probably better suited for a lottery-bound like team, but you don't want to waste a 10th pick there. You want to have him kind of be on the roster. Right. You mean like a, a team that, yeah, that can just sort of buy their time and let right. him develop for two or three years? Yeah. Right, right. Like he's not going to get playing time on a contender or a playoff team. Like, that's just not the reality. I, he needs experience because he's still so young and he's just not going to get it from any of those teams. So I like um, the Spurs for him at 19. Almost. Yeah, I've seen that link too. And okay. Like, I, mean, I mean, Miami, I'm sorry, San Antonio, obviously, like we said, you know, they, they have a, a, a established track record of developing these players. Um, could he be, you know, Tiago Splitter 2.0? I don't know. Maybe that's that's the potential, right? <laughs> High ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> Lofty goals there. Hey, um, world champion. Yeah. NBA champion, Tiago Splitter. Um, was he on the 2014 team? I think so, yeah. Come on, now you're making me look this up in the middle of a Yeah, I don't know, because Bor- Boris Diaw Boris was their guy, right? Him and Tim Duncan was that front court. Let's say Tiago Splitter. All right, you look that up. Um so yes, 2013-2014 NBA yeah. champ. Got it. Yeah. Good job for Splitter on the banana boat with Boris Dia right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I agree. No, I, of course he played I, on that roster. Then he was able to parlay that into... Then he signed a big deal with Atlanta, or was he traded? Oh, the, no, 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 you're right. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, 
Okay, I agree with you on Goga. I actually like him. I'm really interested to see what he becomes like two or three years from now. Right. Not a fit for Miami. Same with Keldon Johnson. The interesting thing with Keldon Johnson is there are there's a little bit of scuttle that Miami. Like you look at everybody that Miami is looking at, they all kind of have that body type. Yeah. Six five, six six, long reach kind of guy, like a perimeter guy. Not looking at small guards necessarily. Um, they're just all they're, like anybody who's listed at six six. They're basically looking at them. They're basically scouting them. They're basically working them out. Uh, I just think at thirteen, I'm if so there's a sick guy- of that to be honest with you. Like, I, we we don't need more tweeners. I mean, we've got like a yeah. roster full of them. Like, somebody needs to stand out here. And I mean, yeah. his he's got heat DNA through and through, right? Like, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the he would fit in really well in the Heat's locker room. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Bam Justice are kind of like the louder guys. Josh has his moments. Keldon seems to me to be more of a uh, reserved. Yeah. But would fit in just from the work that he can put in. Um, and then, like, the idea of... I, I do think Keldon Johnson's ultimately a two next to a ball-dominant one. I think that's probably his best spot. But, he, again, he could switch all perimeters. He could def- switch and guard all perimeter uh, uh, positions. So, like, a, a perimeter unit of Justice Winslow, Keldon Johnson, and Josh Richardson would be fearsome defensively like that would be really good like Kelvin Johnson day one is going to be a really good defender um that would be really cool I just again you want like you just said too many of these guys like as fun as that would be defensively like at some point somebody's got to score a basket for you and that was Miami's problem last year when Dwayne Wade wasn't in the game so uh I if if it's if, if Kelvin Johnson has a higher floor than even a Romeo Langford or a Kevin Porter Jr. But those guys, and they're all roughly the same size. I would just, I would kind of prefer a Romeo Langford or a Kevin Porter. Just take that shot over a guy like Keldon Johnson. Even when a lot of people will have Keldon Johnson ranked over Kevin Porter, not necessarily Romeo Langford. But for the Heat's, like, if you want to go safe, I think there's other guys who play more positions of need that'll be safe. Like, even uh, Keldon Johnson's teammate, PJ Washington, uh, uh, Grant Williams, who you talked about earlier, probably plays a bigger need. Um, than, than does Keldon Johnson, but uh, I like Keldon Johnson. I think he'll be really good. I, I actually like him for maybe like Oklahoma City if he slides that far. Mm. Um, he makes sense for Brooklyn even. Um, Boston could use him, but uh, yeah, for the Heat, I just think it's at 13, he's, that's a little too high. Yeah, so you see him more like that 17 to 25 range? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll slide. I don't think he'll like slide down to the end of the first round or even the second round, but... Um, somebody's gonna fall in love with him. Yeah. I have a feeling like he just—he seems like the guy who like interviews well, and people are gonna like that that work ethic. And again, might have the highest motor in the in the draft class, and wow. teams love that stuff. So, with the thirteenth pick, the Miami Heat select <laughs> high motor, <laughs> Keldon Johnson. All right, uh, that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter using the hashtag AskLoHeat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We'll be back tomorrow with second opinions on Romeo Langford and Kevin Porter Jr., so look for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And that's it. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.